Hello and welcome back to another edition of Gen Z Hoops Podcast. I am your host, Nick Nagel. Let's get right into it. NBA Finals, Game 5 tonight. Um, LA's taking a commanding lead over the Miami Heat, 3-1. Uh, Miami's just getting overpowered right now. They're dealing with some injury problems. Bam Adebayo is back. He was back in Game 4, put up 15.7 rebounds. Did not look 100% for his usual play. Goran Dragic is also out. He tried to go for Game 4, but just couldn't in the warm-ups. And, you know, they're, they're struggling. They're struggling to find shots. Um, they're dependent on rookie Tyler Hero to step in and be that, you know, second scorer to Jimmy Butler. And he's been doing a good job. But um, I think the stage is just too big for him right now for him to be that second guy already as a 20-year-old rookie. Um, but he is definitely, you know, over-exceeding. Uh, in that role, he had 21 points in Game 4, uh, had a pretty good Game 3 as well. Uh, let's talk about Game 3 for a little bit. Um, Jimmy Butler, in order for the Miami Heat to steal a game uh, due to the circumstances with the Heat, Jimmy Butler had to have the game of his life, and he most certainly did. <clears throat> he put up 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists in Game 3. It's one of the greatest finals performances that I've ever seen. Um, they were low-manned. Um, he was just dominating from the start, had 12 first, point, first quarter points right off the rip. And here's an interesting stat about that game. Jimmy Butler is the first finals opponent of LeBron James to outscore him, out-rebound him, and out-assist him in a finals game. That is unbelievable. Um, you know, that says a lot about LeBron and what he's done throughout his career, but it also says a lot about Jimmy Butler and, you know, how many people have been just wrong about him. Um, you know, you got in that stuff in Minnesota. Um, in that little debacle, you know, Philadelphia didn't go as planned for him either. And then he comes to Miami. Uh, there wasn't a lot of expectations for this team coming into the year. And Jimmy Butler has been their engine. And he has been pushing them through the year. And he's been doing an unbelievable job. He proved me wrong. I'll tell you that much. And it, he should be respected. He, should, he is very underrated, underappreciated. And Jimmy Butler deserves, you know, he deserved this finals. He deserved that game. Uh, game four was a different story. Frank Vogel made the adjustment to put Anthony Davis on Jimmy Butler, and he held Butler to 22 points. Um, I think that proved that Anthony Davis should most definitely have won the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, with him having to carry some of the load on offense as well, uh, his main focus was on the defensive end this game, and he played great. Uh, had the game ceiling block on Jimmy Butler. Toward the end, and, you know, Butler just couldn't get in the rhythm uh, throughout the game. So, game four, Lakers start off really, you know, sluggish. You know, LeBron is turning the ball over left and right. He's making really uncharacteristic plays. You know, he bumped it up in the second half, big time, scored 20 second-half points for the Lakers. LeBron ended with 28 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. And, you know, AD also put him his 22 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. Pretty solid game by both of them. You know, as I touched on in the last podcast, you know you know what LeBron's going to give you. You know what AD's going to give you every game. Who is going to be that third guy for the Lakers, you know, to really step up and that third guy who's going to, you know, carry some of that scoring load. And that guy's proven to be uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He had a tremendous game for 15 points, 5 assists, made some huge shots down the stretch, made some bigger shots. 
uh, late in the game. He kind of went on that run by himself that kind of sealed the deal for the Lakers. And, you know, he's kind of separated himself from that group. Of, you know, Danny Green, Kuzma, and himself about who's going to step up and be that third guy. Um, you know, and KCP throughout the entire year, you know, the, he's been up and down. There's been up and downs, but throughout this bubble, throughout the playoffs, and in these finals, he has really proven himself, you know, as a reliable shooter and a reliable scorer down the stretch for the Lakers. Uh, Danny Green's kind of trying to get out of that shooting slump. You know, he had 10 points. He was four for nine field goals in game four. Uh, he's just got to get in the groove. And LeBron tries to get him in that groove, try to find him early, try to get open shots early. And he did hit a few open shots, and that's what he's needed to do. And, you know, KCP's going to have to do that. Danny Green's going to have to do that for the Lakers to close out this series. On the Miami side, you know, I talked about the injuries they're, they're dealing with. Um, and, having, you know, Tyler Hero having to step in and be that guy. And, you know, I touched on this last podcast, too. Uh, Miami's really only have, has three players that can create shots for themselves on a consistent basis. And that being Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, the rookie, and Goran Dragic, who is actually hurt right now. And that is really hurting Miami. Dragic dominated Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. He played tremendous. And they're really missing them, him right now. And you can, you know, I can tell. Uh, you know, as a LeBron guy, I'm really hoping the Lakers close it out tonight. They're wearing the Mamba uniforms. Um, you're damn right I'm buying champagne. You're damn right I'm buying a cigar. I'm weird like that. When LeBron wins, it feels like I win. So I'm doing that for him. You know, I'm a little weird like that. I'm going to be you know, smoking my cigar, sipping on my champagne as I watch LeBron say this is for Kobe with the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's what I'm hoping happens tonight, and hopefully they get done. Game 5 tonight, I'm super excited. All right, moving on. Um, you know, I've been asked this question from some people that have listened to the last podcast. And, you know, as I touched on the basis of, you know, what's the point of this podcast? You know, we're looking at the NBA basketball uh, and the history of the game through the eyes of a young basketball fan and, you know, a basketball junkie. I'm 21 years old and, you know, I'm not speaking for all the young basketball fans out there, but I like to think that we think a lot alike. Um... You know, I think this is the greatest era of basketball. Um, you know, I'll touch on that a little later in the podcast in segment three. Um, but I think it's the greatest era of basketball. And I got asked, you know, who's your top 10 players of all time? Um, you know, I put, a, put together a list. You know, I'm going to start at 10 and work my way down to one. Uh, I'm going to explain myself throughout it. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it short, try to keep it simple. But here are my top 10 Basketball players to ever live and starting at number 10 All right, number 10 Bill Russell the Celtic great um, He's the greatest winner in basketball history You know he won two national championships in college with San Francisco and then he moves to the NBA and wins 11 Championships in 13 years Unheard of won eight in a row at the Boston Celtics and a fun fact about that he won two of those championships as a player coach, that is unheard of nowadays. He was the player, he was a player and the head coach for the Boston Celtics. Unbelievable. Um, you know, you know, like I said, he's the best winner in basketball history. He didn't score a lot. Uh, he averaged 15 points a game throughout his career. Um, but he averaged 22 and a half rebounds. And that is pretty ridiculous. 
Uh, you, you know, despite the era, there's not many teams. There wasn't great competition. But, you know, ha bringing down 22.5 boards a game is pretty unbelievable. Um, you know, he would probably be the all-time leader in blocks if that was a kept stat back in the day. But they didn't keep track of blocks back in the day. Uh, I don't know why, but Bill Russell probably would have led that as well. Um, you know, there's a reason why the Finals MVP trophy is named after Bill Russell, because they didn't have Finals MVPs back then, but he probably would have won 11 of them. Um, you know, there's a reason that it's named after him. And, you know, for his, you know, impact on the game, for he paved the way for so many people. Uh, that's why I got him at number 10. Number nine, I got his arch nemesis, Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain. Um, you know, you hear about the iconic things, you know, the 100-point game, the average 50 points a game in a season, and, you know, that's just the start of it. Uh, Will Chamberlain was really ahead of his time. Uh, he averaged 30 points a game throughout his career, 22.9 rebounds a game, and he shot, uh, you know, he shot a really good percentage. He has the NBA record, actually. He shot 72% from the field. 72% from the field in, in the 1972-73 season. That is unheard of. And that is ridiculous. Um, the knock on Chamberlain, of course, is the amount of championships he won. So, you know, as I go through this list, you'll, you know, you'll see, you know, championships aren't the main factor. And they're not. Uh, they, they should be a factor. They are a factor. You know, but they're not. And the reason he's not higher on my list, Will Chamberlain, you know, he only won two championships. Um, in all the years he played and, you know, with all that talent, you know, there's been, you know, talk, you know, I read the book, the book of basketball by Bill Simmons, a really good book. Um, he talks about how Wilt was always a stat chaser. He, you know, he didn't care about, you know, if he won, if he beat the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, he didn't care. Um, he just wanted to get his every night. You know what? I can see that. But, you know, with his God-given ability, with his athleticism, with his freak of nature talent, I have him above Russell at number nine. Number eight, this is the most underrated basketball player in NBA history, I think, and that is Tim Duncan. Uh, Tim Duncan, you know, his averages, he averaged, you know, 19 a game throughout his career and 10 rebounds. He's a five-time NBA championship or champion, two-time finals MVP, two-time league MVP. And, you know, something about him too, he's an eight-time all-NBA first-teamer or all-NBA, all-defensive first-teamer. Um, his game wasn't flashy. You know, you look at his game, it's not flashy. It's not that entertaining. You know, he's not gliding through, dunking on people. You know, it's just fundamental. It's super effective, the way he played the game of basketball. You know, they call him Mr. Fundamental for a reason. Um, you know, I might get some heat on this, but you stack up him and his and Kobe's resumes. And, you know, obviously I got Kobe on the list. Um... I, I do think Kobe Bryant is a better basketball player than Tim Duncan. Don't get me wrong. But you match up their resumes. Um, like a player A, player B scenario. You might pick Duncan's resume and career over Kobe's. Um, you know, I don't, but some people do. You know, it's an argument that, you know, could be had. It's an argument, you know, that should maybe be had. Um, very similar careers, very similar accolades. And, you know, I got Tim Duncan coming in at eight. Number seven. I'm going to get some heat for this, but I got Kobe Bryant coming in at number seven. You know, I'm going to get the, oh, he's, how do you not have him top three? You know, at least top five. Um, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the late 
great Kobe Bryant, um, you know, five-time NBA champion, two-time Finals MVP. Um, he only he's only got one MVP. Like you know, I get it. He probably should have more than one. You know, Steve Nash stole a couple from him, but you know, it's still only one MVP. Um, he's a nine-time NBA All Defense First Team, which you know does him justice, does him well. Um, he's one of the most fundamentally sound players that the game has ever seen. He's one of the most skilled scorers, gifted scorers we've ever seen. I have him as the second greatest shooting guard of all time, behind my Michael Jordan, as we'll get down on the list. You know, here's why he's not higher on my list. So, the thing about Kobe is a very inefficient player. He was a very inefficient player throughout his career. Um, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's one of the greatest careers we've ever seen. He's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. But, you know, his inefficiency, um, you know, personally, when I look at this list, I want guys that make, you know, their teammates better. I want guys that'll make their teammates' games elevate. And I just don't think Kobe did that. Um, I don't think he elevated the games of Pau Gasol. I don't think he really elevated the game of Shaq. He didn't need to elevate the game of Shaq. But, you know, and the thing I look at too, you know, he averaged 25 a game throughout his career. And he averaged 25 a game in the playoffs, you know. When I'm looking at these greats, you know, I want to see their game elevate. Uh, you know, Kobe's game didn't really elevate that much in the playoffs, you know, statistically. Um, he's not a very good game seven player. You know, he only averaged 22 points on 39% shooting in game sevens. And, you know, that's not great. And, but, you know, I think when I look at Kobe Bryant, I think he's a worse Michael Jordan. You know, not terribly worse, but he's a worse Michael Jordan. He's a very inefficient player, but he's a great player. And, you know, he had a huge impact on the game. He had a huge impact on people's lives. And he had a huge impact, you know, on the culture of the NBA and why it's so big, you know, today. And, you know, that's my explanation for Kobe at seven. I'll probably take more heat for the guy that it's ahead of him. But I'll explain myself. Number six, Larry Bird. Larry Legend. Celtics Legend. Uh, Three-time NBA champion. Two-time fi finals MVP. Three-time league MVP. Um, Larry Bird is one of the most gifted scorers and gifted passers the game has ever seen. His all-around offensive game kind of puts him above Kobe, in my opinion. Uh, the way he elevated the play of McHale and Parrish, Robert Parrish, I think he elevated their games to heights that you know they may not have ever seen if they would have, wouldn't have played with Larry Bird. Um, you know, he made passing cool. Him and Magic both made uh, passing cool. He's one of those two pillars of him and Magic Johnson, you know, that really elevated the NBA to its popularity in the 80s. You know, it was down. The NBA was down coming into the 70s, uh, late 70s. And then when they got drafted, they really made the game, you know, fun to watch. And, you know, he made passing fun. It was a lot more team-orientated, a lot less iso ball back then. And that's a lot because of Larry Bird and the way he played the game. Um, you know, the thing is, when I compare him and Kobe, too, um, you know, you look at their Game 7 stats, too. In Game 7s, you know, Larry Bird averaged 27 points a game on 50% shooting, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. His game elevated. His game, you know, he kicked it in the gear. He would make the clutch plays. He would make the clutch shots. And basketball IQ-wise as well, as smart as Kobe was, his court awareness and trust in his teammates was not always there. And with Larry Bird, 
Uh, you watch him play, you know, the slow white guy. How is he this good? He is so skilled, gifted scorer, and he really had a really high basketball IQ, a really high awareness for, you know, where his teammates were going to be, what shots he was going to get, and he always passed up the, the good shot for the great shot. And I personally don't think Kobe always did that. Um, so that's why I got Larry Bird ahead of Kobe. Um, again, not taking anything away from Kobe at all. At all. Uh, now we get into our top five. Uh, top five, Shaquille O'Neal. 23 points a game throughout his career, 10 rebounds, 58.2 uh, field goal percentage throughout his career. He is the most dominant player of all time, uh, in my opinion. Um, Four-time champion, three-times finals MVP, uh, one-time MVP, uh, league MVP. Uh, you know, this guy was unstoppable. Early 2000s, you know, he starts off his career in Orlando. Um, he actually beats Michael Jordan when he came back uh, from baseball. That Orlando team knocks off him and Penny Hardaway, knock off Michael Jordan. Um, and then he gets traded to L.A., and that's when he really started, you know, this guy's for real. This guy can win championships as the best player on the team. Um, you know, throughout that time, the reason I had put Shaq ahead of Kobe too, you know, Shaq's got the three finals MVPs when, they're, when they play with each other. You know, he's got those finals MVPs. He's the one that defenses were most worried about him. And, you know, he drew the most attention. He doubled, triple teamed uh, sometimes, you know, every time he touched the ball. And, you know, just for his pure domination, um, the pure attention that he drew, or drew, and, you know, for that, I got him in my top five above Kobe uh, and above these other guys. Uh, number four, I got Magic Johnson. So Magic Johnson, he is also one of those pillars that I talked about that really elevated the game in the 80s, the NBA game, him and Larry Bird. Um, he's a five-time NBA championship champion. Three-time Finals MVP, three-time League MVP. Um, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest passer ever. Um, you know, he controlled every single aspect of the basketball game. Uh, he, a lot like LeBron does today. He controlled it every, you know, soundly on the offensive end. You know, all eyes were on Magic. You know, you never know what he was going to do. He was great at finding players. He has a really high basketball IQ. He put his teammates in great position. He elevated their games. You know, he made James Worthy what James Worthy is. Um, he elevated the games of, you know, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, those types of guys that, you know, resonated, you know, and was a big part of their championship runs. And, you know, he, he didn't score too much. He wasn't a great shooter. That's always the knock on Magic. He wasn't a great shooter. But, you know, he averaged 11 and a half assists per game throughout his career. That's pretty remarkable. And 19 points a game, 19 and a half points a game. Uh, he's fifth on the all-time assist list. He's top five on there. And just the way he impacted the game, um, you know, for Magic Johnson, for me, it's not always about the flashy kind of play. He was a great passer, flashy passer, but he made the right play every time, it seemed like. Uh, in the games that I've watched him play, you know, he always makes the right play. And him and Kareem were really dominant together. And that's why, you know, he sprung off those championships with the Los Angeles Lakers. And that transitions to my third greatest player of all time, that being Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, he's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Uh, he should be up here. He averaged 24.6 points a game, 11.2 rebounds a game on 
0.9% shooting from the field. He has the most unstoppable shot in NBA history that no one can ever perfect except him, and that's the sky hook. You know, he would shoot this sky hook from, you know, 16 to 18 feet at times, and it just looked ridiculous, but it went in the hoop. And it's unblockable, it's unguardable, and that's really pretty remarkable what he did. Uh, he's a six-time champion, two-times finals MVP, and he is a league-leading, six-time league MVP. Uh, he's also a winner. You know, we talked about Bill Russell being one of the, gr the greatest winners. Uh, this guy won a lot, too. Six-time champion, he won a, sh uh, a lot of national championships at UCLA, and he also won one in, won one in Milwaukee with uh, Oscar Robertson. So he's a winner. Uh, I got him at number three on here just for, you know, the sole purpose. He might have the most accomplished NBA career out of anybody, you know, adding up his championships, his MVPs, uh, his all-time leading scoring. And I do believe he's a top three player of all time. Uh, number two, uh, Michael Jordan. You know, um, you know, I might get ragged on, you know, all the middle-aged guys on here. You know, Michael Jordan's the best player of all time. We lie a lot. We are told a lot about what Michael did and didn't do in his career. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's the, he's, you know, if you have him at one or, as long as you have LeBron at one or two, I respect your decision. And, you know, Michael is in that conversation. That's why we have all the arguments. Michael averaged 30 a game throughout his career. Six-time NBA champion, six-time finals MVP, five-time league MVP. He made the game global. Um, you know, Magic and Larry in the 80s really brought up the NBA popularity in the game. And then we moved in the 90s, and it went global. You guys all watch The Last Dance. You guys see how much, you know, he's adored throughout the world. Um, I think he's built the greatest brand for a player, uh, for himself. And... You know, I don't think anybody's going to top that popularity, that brand that he made, you know, the Jordan brand. He's built that global brand that, you know, I don't think even LeBron can reach. But player-wise, you know, he was 1-9 without Scottie Pippen in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think he elevated the level of play from his teammates. Like, I don't think he made Scottie into what he is. He definitely didn't. Um, you know, and the big thing for me, too... When he retired the first time, so in 93, the Bulls were 57-25. and 25. He retires. Scotty's the one. Scotty's the leader of that team. They go 55-27 and 27 the next year and almost make the NBA Finals. Um, that's a two-game drop-off. And, you know, I'm not going to get into this LeBron-Jordan argument right now, but, you know, this is why I think LeBron is above Jordan right now. So number one, LeBron James. Um, I think he's the best all-around basketball player that we have ever seen. And you're lying to yourself if he's not up there. Um, when it's all said and done, he should be the all-time leading scorer ever. And he's not even a score-first player. Um, he should be top three in assists. You know, you watch him play the game. He's not score-first. He's always trying to get guys involved early. And... You know, this is he's a three-time champion, probably four, could be four tonight. Three-time finals MVP, could be four tonight. Um, and a four-time league MVP, should be more, obviously. Uh, he averaged 27, 7, and 7 throughout his career. 
He controls, like Magic, he controls every single aspect of the game. He's got Anthony Davis on his team, and all eyes are still on LeBron James because he's controlling every aspect of the game. He has the highest basketball IQ ever in the history of the game, I believe. Um, he's the all-time playoff leader in points, steals. He's second in assists. He's three. He's second in three-point percentage. He's sixth in rebounds. And those numbers are just going to go up. And, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to get into the LeBron-Jordan argument. But, you know, I just think LeBron's better. He's a better basketball player, I believe. And I think he plays in the greatest era of basketball that we've ever seen. The most skilled. The most athletic. But we're going to get into that in segment three. So there is my top 10 players of all time. We'll recap here. 10, I got Bill Russell. 9, I got Wilt Chamberlain. 8, Tim Duncan. 7, Kobe Bryant. 6, Larry Bird. 5, Shaquille O'Neal. 4, Magic Johnson. 3, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 2, Michael Jordan. And number 1, LeBron, the GOAT, the King, James. Honorable mentions on that. That just didn't reach the top 10. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon. The great Hakeem, the dream. Oscar Robertson. And you know, I think Kevin Durant's on that edge. And I think Kevin Durant will eventually move into a top 10 player of all time. All right, moving on. All right, sorry that took a little longer than I thought. Um, No, but I had to explain myself. I had to explain the list. Moving on. Segment three. This is going to be a segment that's going to be on like every other podcast. Uh, maybe, Maybe it'll be a weekly thing. Well, depending on time. But this segment, you know, as I talk about the point of this podcast, you know, it's to uh, educate and inform, you know, why is this the greatest basketball era ever? Um, And this segment's called Stop Lying to Me, Dad. Old people myths. So, first myth. The game in the 80s and 90s was just better basketball. Um, Absolutely not. Sorry, Dad. Um... So the athletes, the competition, the skill, and yes, the defense in today's NBA is at the highest level it's ever been. And it's just going to keep going up. You know, evolution in basketball is real. It really is. You got these guys, you got Nikola Jokic, you got Carl Anthony Towns, you got Joel Embiid, all shooting threes, all seven footers around the perimeter. They're taking people off the dribble. You just didn't see that back then. You just didn't. You know, if you wanted to score and you were seven foot back then, you sit your ass out on the block and you get a touch in the block. You know, that you couldn't score outside of 10 feet, you know, back, you know, barring, you know, I'm not considering, you know, Charles Barkley or Carl Malone really a big, you know, they were under seven feet, but the guys like Patrick Ewing, Rick Smith, those guys, they're, you know, they're in the paint. And, you know, in today's game, everyone is a threat to score on the perimeter and from the three-point line. It's just the way the game's played today. You know, is it more physical? No. But physical basketball is not better basketball. You know, before you say, you know, oh, what games have you watched in the 90s, the 80s? You know, how do you know? How do you you know since you didn't watch this guy and this guy and this guy? You'd be surprised. Um, You know, during quarantine... I made it an emphasis to watch games. You know, I watched about 15 Michael Jordan, you know, games during quarantine. You know, first quarter, the fourth quarter, start to finish. I watched them. You know, I watched some Magic and Bird games. I watched, you know, Kareem play. And the game is just better today. Better athletes. The game is harder to play than it has ever been. 
you know, players are bigger, faster, stronger, more skilled, and the defensive schemes and the coaching is better. It just is. You know, the coaching is really an emphasis. You know, the defensive schemes, the preparation today that goes into the game, it's higher. It's the highest it's ever been. And you can't argue that. You just can't. You know, when I watch those physical basketball games, you're like, oh, LeBron would never be able to, you know, hang with the bad boy Pistons. Oh, yeah. Who's going to stop him? Bill Lambeer? I don't think so. A 6'9", 250-pound freight train is going to get stopped in the 80s and 90s by these guys. Oh, yeah. You know, smart. Intelligent. But, no, like I said, evolution in sports, too, is real. It is. You know, and they've improved. Games have improved. You know, it's not better basketball back then. It's better team basketball. There's a lot less isolation back then. You know, I will agree with that. It's better team basketball. But just look at these dudes. Look at these athletes. Look at how skilled they are. That You didn't see that a lot of that in the 80s and 90s. A lot of those guys that played back then could not play today. You know, you see guys like Steve Kerr, who was a very, you know, he was a solid role player for the Chicago Bulls, for the Spurs, for the Cavs. And he said, there's no way in hell I can play today. Can you, you look at these guys? He's one of the examples. There was a lot of guys like him back then in the league. Guarding Michael Jordan. They were guarding him. Guys like Steve Kerr. And I'm not taking anything away from Steve Kerr. I'm just saying that, you know, you bring him into this era, he's getting guarded by an app. He's getting guarded by Giannis. Six foot eleven, seven five wingspan Giannis, who can jump out the gym. He's getting guarded by Kawhi, who is one of the greatest perimeter defenders we've ever seen, who's also six foot seven and quick as ever. You know, you look at these guys. These guys are physical specimens. All of them are. Mostly all of them. You know, even Nikola Jokic. He's slow. He's fat. He's still a physical specimen. He's so skilled. He's the best passer, passing big man that, you know, I've ever seen. That maybe the game has ever seen. And you look at these guys. Hell no, that basketball was not better back then. It was more physical. But that way of, that style of play is so overrated. That style of play is unbelievably overrated. You want to play, oh, there was no hand-checking back then. Yes, there was. There was hand-checking. You watch those games. Go back and watch those games. Go look at how many calls Michael Jordan got that, you know, apparently that he wouldn't, LeBron wouldn't have got back then. Oh, no, but Michael's getting them. But I'm not to, my father, for prime is that he lies a lot about what happened, what, what happened and didn't happen back in those eras. Yes, it was physical. Yes, there were tacky Sapals still called back then. It's not better basketball. Physical basketball is not better basketball. It's actually very overrated. The way the Knicks and the Pistons played the, you know, the bully ball, you know, that's just a dumb way of playing. And it's, you know, it was effective. You know, Pistons won two championships with doing it. But it's just, it wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't fun to watch Michael Jordan get knocked on his ass every time. And... You know, they were all fouls. Yes, they were all fouls. They were. And they were called. And, you know, that is the first myth that I'm going to cover about back in those days. You know, if you disagree with me, you know, interact with me. Do it. So I'm going to keep this one short. Um, we're not going to do questions this week due to the timing. We'll have them next week. You know, you guys should ask questions for me. We'll try and get more guests on. Um, I was just hoping to get this one out before the game tonight. Hopefully the Lakers bring it home. 
for Kobe in the Mamba uniforms. And I'm really excited. You know I got my champagne. You know I got my cigars. You know I'm weird, but I'm, I'm weird like that. But I love it. I love it. I love that we're having basketball right now in this time. And I love that you know LeBron's in the finals, where he should be, and where he just resides in the finals. So, thank you for listening this far. If you've listened this far, we're going to keep it short every time. I'm going to try to. You know, I know how it goes with podcasts. You know, they get too long and they're boring. I'm going to try to get guests on here. We're going to try to make it better every week. So, thank you for listening to another edition of Gen Z Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Nagel. Until next time, thank you. Go Lakers. We just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. Give the man his damn respect. Haters, I haven't heard a lot from you lately. It's running out of things that you can hate on him for. Welcome back to another edition of Gen Z Hoops Podcast. I am your host, Nick Nagel. The LA Lakers are NBA champions. They closed out the Miami Heat in six games on Sunday in blowout fashion. Uh, this is one of the best defensive games the Lakers have played this year. Best, Probably the best defensive game in all the bubble, honestly. Um, you know, Miami only scored 58 points after three quarters. That's unheard of nowadays. 58 after three. Uh, they kind of put their... Foot off the gas, come the fourth quarter, but they already had it wrapped up. LeBron James, final MVP. His fourth finals MVP with three different teams. That's the only time it's ever been done in NBA history. LeBron closes out game six with a cool, crisp 28-14-10. Another walk in the park for him. Anthony Davis, 19 points, 15 rebounds. He did what he needed to do. KCP did what he needed to do, 17 points. And I tell you what. Playoff Rondo is real. It's a real thing. 19 points for Rondo in game six to close it out. Uh, at one point, he was six for six with 12 points in the first half, I think. That was the stat. So I want to talk about LeBron James a little bit because it's going to open up the conversation again, the, a conversation that should already be closed. Personally, the GOAT conversation. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. You know... I'm not going to get into the MJ-LeBron debate here, not here right now. It's going, to be, it's going to be around, though. I will definitely talk about it. But age 35, year 17, has shown zero signs of slowing down. Absolutely no signs of slowing down. How long is this going to last? He's never going to suck. LeBron James is never going to suck, no matter how long he plays. He could be 50 years old, and he's not going to suck. You know, he's the smartest basketball player that I've ever seen. He's probably the smartest basketball player the game has ever seen. And he's going to find ways, as he gets older, to adjust his game. He's improved his three-point shooting throughout the years because the game's adjusted to that. And, you know, LeBron James, just remarkable. We're not going to get in the GOAT conversation right now, but it shouldn't be a conversation anymore. This man is the greatest basketball player you have ever seen. Don't lie to yourself. So that brings the question, you know, what should the Lakers do in the offseason? This is an interesting offseason for sure. I believe that more so trades are going to affect the league bigger than free agency because it's not a strong free agent class. So the Lakers really have chances to improve, though, to improve the roster, to improve the supporting cast 
around LeBron and AD. But first and foremost, they need to sign AD. They will. Uh, AD made it apparent yesterday that he's going to re-sign with the Lakers. He intends to. I believe he's going to sign one of those uh, two-plus-one deals just for with that player option. That's kind of LeBron, how he always does. And, you know, some for the Lakers that they need to do is find that consistent third guy. KCP in the playoffs was that third guy. But can you rely on him to do it for an entire season? He's very inconsistent during the regular season. Turned it on in the playoffs. Can you find another score to mesh with LeBron and AD? Um, like I said, the trades are going to be a big deal. Kuzma's probably on that trading block. I'm sorry, Kyle Kuzma, but I think your time in, as an L.A. Laker are gone. Um, you haven't proven that you can be that consistent third guy like the Lakers needed you to be. And I think they're going to move on from Kyle Kuzma. I think a couple guys come to my mind when I hear trade to the Lakers. Get a guy like Buddy Heel. Great shooter, great scorer. Is a great spot-up shooter. LeBron is great at finding shooters everywhere. Can you find a guy like Buddy Heald or Tim Hardaway Jr.? The Warriors are going to be back and fully loaded next year. Can you get a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. that is a great perimeter defender and a Buddy Heald who's not a terrible defender. He's not a great defender. But, you know, if you get it like a Tim Hardaway Jr., you, you know, you're provided with scoring, shooting and that defense he's a great three and d guy that would fit great with the lakers and here's another name do i dare say chris paul can rob palenka somehow find a way to trade for chris paul that would be great you know with sam presti in the way that their direction that they're moving in getting rid of chris paul would not be a bad idea they have a lot of great assets they have a lot of Great young players over there in Oklahoma City. Why don't you add Kyle Kuzma to that mix? Why don't you add another draft pick to that mix? And another couple guys, for sure. I would say Danny Green. You got a chance to be on the trade market as well. Can you get him out there as well? As another piece, as another asset, another trade asset for the Lakers. But yesterday, or the past couple days, both Rondo and KCP opted out of their contracts, rightfully so. They're going to test the free agent market. Um, there's question marks whether that, you know, LA is going to give them that, give KCP that money, give Rondo that money. The Knicks are very interested in Rajon Rondo. The Hawks are very interested in KCP. The Hawks have a lot of cap space. So that might be tough to hold on to KCP and Rondo. But, you know, it's not a strong free agent class, but there's a lot of solid free agents that would be solid fits for the Lakers uh, I wrote down a few names here Marcus Gasol would be a great fit if they're if Dwight Howard leaves there's a lot of interest from the Warriors for Dwight Howard plug in Marcus Gasol is that guy who can stretch the floor the guy who is a very good passer um, not that he was not a liability on defense he is a former defensive player of the year for you know for the Memphis Grizzlies back when he played for them Marcus Gasol is a name that I would like to see in a Laker uniform Serge Ibaka, there's a lot of talks about him uh, re-signing with the Toronto Raptors, so I don't see him leaving. Jeremy Grant is a guy I would love to see the Lakers try and get, but there's mutual interest for him to go back to Denver, rightfully so. He's a great defender, great shooter. 
He can really give a spark for a team. A guy that I can definitely see the Lakers getting and picking up is veteran Danilo Gallinari from OKC. I think he opted out of his contract. I can see him, you know, he would be a great fit for LA. He's a good shooter. He can create for himself, great scorer. He, I feel more confident in him being that third option than I do KCP. Um, Danilo Gallinari is a great pickup if the Lakers can somehow get him. Goran Dragic is also a free agent. Great player that he create for himself as well as others for the Miami Heat, as you saw that. He might be a, you know, cost a pretty penny. The Lakers don't have much cap space. They're going to have more next offseason when it's the loaded offseason. And another name that's really not going to make headlines much, but I think would be a great fit with the Lakers as well, is San Antonio shooting guard Bryn Forms. Um, he was, you know, a Michigan State guy, great shooter. He can create for himself. He's a good spot-up shooter. And guys like that, you know, if you want to go small ball, and, you know, the Warriors are coming back next year, Steph, Clay, Draymond, small ball team. If you can plug him into that lineup, and he could be a very good spark for you off the bench. Bryn Forbes, keep your eye on that name. All right, moving on.